I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Uh, for the past several weeks, uh, we have been looking at the full armor of God. And as we've looked at the full armor of God, we have uh, just recently started looking at the actual armor of God. In fact, uh, last week was the first uh, time we actually started looking at the armor of God. And we've been looking at the fact that uh, our strength doesn't come from within. The Bible tells us to be strong in the Lord the strength of His might. We also begin to understand as we look in verse 11, it says, and the full arm, uh, put on the full armor of God. We recognize that the full armor of God uh, is Jesus Christ. Amen. And so the only way to put on the full armor of God is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But we also looked at the fact that not only did He say, put on the full armor of God, but He also said, take up the full armor of God. So not only are we saved when we have that salvation through Jesus Christ and we're provided the full armor of God through Jesus Christ, but every single day we need to make a choice to take up the full armor of God. Amen. To walk in it as Christians, as children of God, to walk in the full armor of God. And we also looked at the fact that we stand firm in that position of victory. Amen. Jesus has already won the battle. Jesus has already won the war. So what we do is we stand firm in the victory that Jesus has already given to us. And so last week we looked at girding our loins. And so uh, any soldier, as we're going to look at this, as we looked at this last, that part last week, any soldier knows that if he's going to get out there and be successful within the battlefield, uh, he's, not going to he's not going to have any distractions. He's going to get rid of all of those distractions. And so what that soldier did is he literally girded his loins. He would take up his cloak. He would tuck it into his belt. And so now every encumbrance everything that would entangle him has been removed and so now he is ready to engage in warfare and so that's what we need to do as Christians as well we need to get away, get rid of every encumbrance we need to get rid of anything uh, that will entangle us anything that will hold us down amen and so now as we're ready for battle and we're ready to begin looking at these individual pieces of the full armor of God we start with the belt of truth. And so we find that right here in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14 as the Word of God says, Stand firm therefore. Again, this is the third time that this text of Scripture tells us to stand firm and reminded that we're standing firm in that position of victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Stand firm therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And so we recognize something here. He says that we gird our loins in truth. And so what is that truth that we gird our loins in? It is the belt of truth. And just as I told you last week, as we look at the armor, this full armor of God, it's not like that metal armor, that plated armor that we often uh, think of as that suit of armor. That is from the medieval days. And so what we're looking at here is uh, the the Romans uh, warfare, the war Romans armor, and so what he would wear, and so really it was pretty simple. You had a belt, you had a breastplate, you had a helmet, uh, you had your sandals that had spikes on the bottom of it, kind of like cleats, but very deep cleats. He had his sword and he had his spear, and so he also had his shield. And so when we look at this, we begin to recognize that it's pretty basic, it's pretty simple armor, but the most important part of it all was 
was his belt. And you say, well, why in the world would his belt be the most important part of it all? Well, first of all, as we're going to see even more clearly next week when we look at that uh, breastplate of righteousness, where we find that you gird your loins, you take up that cloak and you tuck it into your belt. But what we need to recognize is that everything rests upon the belt. Everything rests upon the Roman's belt. When he put on the breastplate, the breastplate then rests upon the belt. It rests upon his shoulders, but it is tucked into his belt as well. When he puts his uh, spear in, it, 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 it has a place right there for, uh, for it on his belt. When he puts his sword in, it hangs off of his belt as well. And so when we look at that, that belt is vitally important. Even his shield, when he would hold his shield up that had a resting place on the belt that would be able to hold the weight of the shield to where he could hold it up and wouldn't have to hold the full force of the weight of that shield as well. So everything rested upon the belt. The belt was extraordinarily important. The belt was vitally important. And so what is the belt referred to here? Is as in the armor of God as we're to put on the full armor of God. It is the belt of truth. Amen. It is the belt of truth. And friends, as we begin to look at today, everything rests upon the truth. Everything rests upon the truth. Now, when I got sick several years ago and I started going to doctors and I was seeing all kinds of different doctors, one doctor said, well, I think you've got this. And another doctor said, well, I think you've got that. And another doctor said, no, I believe you have this. And you have all these different doctors with differing opinions. And if I'd have continued to listen to those doctors, I would be dead today had I not found out what was actually wrong with me. Amen. And so unless I found out the truth of what was actually going on, I wouldn't be here today. And so, of course, God had different plans and God was in control of that as well. But friends, we live in a culture. We live in a day and age. We live in a post-truth society where people really don't care about the truth. They know that they're being sold a bill of goods. They know that they're being told lies. They know that things out there in the world are not as it seems, but they really don't care. And so truth doesn't matter in the society in which we live in today. And so when we begin to think about living in a post-truth society, how much more important is it today than probably any other time in the history of mankind that we stand upon truth? Amen? That we stand upon truth. That we stand upon the absolute truth. So as we're in this post-truth society that we live in today, they say, well, there's no such thing as absolutes. You can't be absolute about anything. And so as we ask the question, well, can we have absolutes? Does 2 plus 2 still equal 4? Isn't that an absolute? We absolutely have absolutes in the society in which we live in today. Amen? And so it doesn't matter how much people scream out that we don't have absolutes today. We do have absolutes. And I want to show you an absolute today. And that is the absolute truth of the Word of God. That it is absolutely true all the way from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22. And everything in the middle is the absolute truth of the Word of God. And friends, 
if we are not standing upon the truth of the Word of God, we are going to crumble. We are going to fall. Everything around us is going to crumble. Everything around us is going to fall. And so when you look at this and you see that what does Satan attack? Satan attacks the authority of the Word of God before he comes after you, before he comes after your family, before he comes after your church, before he comes after society, he will come after the Word of God and he's been beat, he's been doing it from the very beginning. He comes after the Word of God and so what is the most prominent thing that he's come after in the world in which we live in today? The very first verse in the Bible. And God said, and God created the heavens and the earth. And so when we look at that, we begin to recognize the very first verse in all of the Word of God that God created the heavens and the earth. And so when we recognize that God has created the heavens and the earth, we begin to recognize that there it is that Satan has attacked that very verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. Then God said, let there be light and there was light and God saw that the light was good and God created, the uh, God separated rather the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness He called night and there was evening and there was morning one day. And so when we look at that text of Scripture right there, we as Christians, Christians, as Bible-believing Christians, know how important that that is. But one of the very first things that Satan begins to attack is the authority of the Word of God and gives to us that bill of goods that says, no, God didn't create heavens and the earth. There was a great big bang. And so if you don't believe in the big bang, you don't believe in science. Well, guess what? I have news for you today. The big bang is not science. And not only is the big bang not science, the big bang is is also disprovable and has been indisputably disproven. Yes, somebody, you believe in the Big Bang? Oh yeah, I believe in the Big Bang. Well, which Big Bang? What do you mean which Big Bang? Well, the first guy came up with the first theory of the Big Bang and somebody came along and poked holes all in that one and so it didn't have any legs to stand on. Somebody else came up with another Big Bang and then they came and they poked holes all in that one and so they had to come up with another Big Bang and and every time they do, they continue to poke holes within all of that. And so as we recognize that, that is not science, friends. It is a theory, a disprovable theory and a disproven theory. It is not science in any way, shape, and form. Well, what about the millions and millions and millions of years? Well, what about the millions and millions and millions of years? You know, I heard somebody once say it was Kent Ham. He said this, he said, every good fairy tale begins with long, long ago in a place far, far away. Amen? And so that's a wonderful fairy tale, but it is not science, and it is disprovable, and it is disproven as well. What does the Word of God say? See, the unfortunate thing is that even many Christians are throwing the Word of God to the side and believing this lie because it has been so ingrained in our society that even little preschoolers, they go to a library and they get a book and they're going to say millions and millions of years ago and it absolutely contradicts the truth of the Word of God. What does the Bible say about each day there was morning and there was evening 
first day. What does it say about the second day? There was morning and there was evening. Second day, what does it say about the third day? Morning and evening. And it also says about the fourth day and the fifth day and the sixth day and the seventh day. The Bible isn't just clear that God created in six literal days. The Bible is extraordinarily clear that God created in six literal days. And so when we see that, that is the truth of the Word of God. What do we do with the commandment of God that tells us that God created in six days and on the seventh we, he, uh, he rested. So what do we do? We work for 6,000 years and then we rest for 1,000? Doesn't even make sense, does it? You see, the lie doesn't have to make sense. Because science itself says life has to come from life unless it's evolution. Then life could just pop up out of anywhere. Energy has to come from some other source of energy unless it's the Big Bang and then it just pops up out of anywhere. Matter has to come from some other form of matter unless it's this. Oh, you mean you believe in the miracles of the Bible? Well, you obviously believe in miracles too because that had to have been a miraculous thing that took place because only apart from God, nothing doesn't produce nothing. Amen? That's just simple common sense and it's also scientific theory. So yes, I believe in science, but I also believe in the truth of the Word of God. You see, after a couple of Centuries of this as you begin to erode the truth of the Word of God. So I don't believe those things. Those things aren't believable. I believe in science. I don't believe in the fairy tales of the Bible. You teach them in the universities and you teach them in the schools and what does it do? It says to our children that the Bible is not true. The Bible is not trustworthy. What do you do when you begin to erode those things so well? Moses and, and the children of Israel, they didn't really walk through the Red Sea. And Moses really didn't write the Bible. They didn't write the first books of the Bible. They were uh, just folklore. They were just uh, 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 words that were passed down from generation to generation. And they uh, you know, just be, became more and more elaborate from generation to generation. Well, there is archaeological proof that Moses actually did write the first books of the Bible. But we don't hear about those things, do we? It's good to hear about those things, but we simply believe that the Word of God is true by faith. Amen? It's true because it's of God. Now what's the implication of this? Jesus told Nicodemus when Jesus was trying to speak to Nicodemus, give him an earthly illustration of being born again, a, a, an illustration that he could understand in the physical sense and he wasn't getting it. And Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 12, He said, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Well, if the Bible is not true and God didn't really create is the Bible then true that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Is the Bible then true that Jesus is the only Savior of the world? Is it true what Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me? 
The world also teaches, oh, there's many ways to God. But that's not what Jesus said. Amen? That's absolutely not what Jesus says. So Jesus can't be a way. He is either the only way or He can't be a way at all. Because He's a disprovable liar if He is not the way. But we know He is not only the way, He's the truth. Amen? So we looked into the Word of God we recognize that Satan will take these earthly things. And through these earthly things, try to erode at the truth of the Word of God. To where it gets you to the point to where now you're not even believing the spiritual things. The spiritual truths. You see, when you take the truth away, everything else falls apart. Amen? When the soldier doesn't have his belt on, he can't carry the rest of his equipment. It's just going to fall apart. And he's going to greatly fail at the task at hand. So what is fundamental here is the truth. Now, what's interesting here is that Jesus said, uh, Jesus himself said in John chapter 8, verse 44, he said uh, that the devil himself is the father of lies. The devil himself is the father of lies. And so as we looked at a couple of weeks ago that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And again, as verse, 20, uh, verse 11 tells us, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against what? Against the schemes of the devil. <laughs> they're schemes, they're lies, it's deception. And so friends, we need to know the truth of the Word of God and we need to stand solidly upon the truth of the Word of God. And what He's doing today is not any different than what He did with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Adam, did God really say that? Adam, did, did God really mean that? Oh, Adam, God just holding out on you. He knows that in the day that you eat of that tree, you're going to be just like Him. God lied to you. That's not true. What God says is not true. Don't believe that silly stuff. Same, same tactic that He's still using today. Amen? Hasn't changed His tactics. He hasn't changed His strategy. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 17, He said, Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is the truth. That's what Jesus said. His word is the truth. Jesus also said that man should not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And friends, if we want to know the truth, we need to be feeding on the word of God. And when it comes to God Himself, by the way, this is God's Word. This is God's breathed Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 tells us that all Scripture is inspired by God. And so what does that literally mean? It literally means God breathed. This is God's Word. And so if we question 
the Word of God. We're questioning God. We're questioning the integrity of God. We're questioning the power and the sovereignty of God and being capable of preserving His Word. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19 says that God is not a man that He should lie. God is not a man that He should lie. See, the devil wants to get you distracted from the truth of the Word of God. Don't look at the Word of God. Look at the earthly things. Look at the worldly things. Pay attention to those things. This is not important. This has no value to it. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Of course, God uses the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our minds. And of course, we have to have a relationship with Jesus in order for the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our minds. But what is the tool that He uses? He uses the truth of the Word of God. Amen? The truth of the Word of God. Friends, when we get to this point, though, we need to understand something. If evolution is really true, it has some pretty serious implications. If evolution is true and that we are of nothing and from nothing and we're just one great big cosmic accident, that means we're nothing. We have no value. We have no importance. And since... We come from nothing. We have no moral code. And since you have no value, I can kill you if I want to. Because you're from nothing and of nothing, so you have no importance, but yet the Word of God tells us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? Amen? We're fearfully and wonderfully made, but... If God's Word is true, it also has great, great implications. Great implications. Those implications of the Word of God being true, it means that we, we better live in accordance to it. Amen? Eternity is at stake according to the Word of God. God is our Creator. God is our Lord. We just sang the song Majesty and that really does mean something if the Word of God is true. Amen? That Jesus really did die for our sins and that means something if we reject the Gospel. That Jesus really was buried and that He really did rise up three days later from the grave. That has great implications to today. Not just eternity, but right here, right now, today. Absolutely to eternity, but right here, right now, today. Because if you cast out the truth, you don't have a leg to stand on. Everything's going to fall apart. We already looked at the fact that God's Word is truth. We already looked at the fact that Jesus is truth. So what do I do about this? If, if the Word of God is true, and we have great implications of the Word of God being true, what then do I do? Well, you better know the Word of God. 
We live in a day and age where we have the most educated pastors and staff that Christendom has ever seen. We live in a day and age where we have available to us more tools and more things to be able to study the Word of God at our own disposal than we've ever had in all of Christendom. But we also live in a day and age where Christians are more biblically illiterate than they've ever been. Friend, you need to know the Word of God. You need to study the Word of God. You need to study the Word of God. Man should not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We don't go a day without eating physical food. We shouldn't go a day without eating spiritual food either. You go without eating your physical food, where you're going to shrivel up and die. Amen? You need to put yourself under the anointed teaching and preaching of the Word of God. You need to study the Word of God, but you need to put yourself under the anointed teaching and preaching of the Word of God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, And He gave some as apostles and some... Well, first of all, and He gave. Who gave? God gave. Amen? God gave. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. For what purpose? For the equipping of the saints of the work of the service to build up the body of Christ so that you be strengthened. Build up the body of Christ. Until when? Until we attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Have any of you obtained that yet? Have you obtained that position to the mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ? Because I'll tell you, I haven't. Neither of you. So you need, and I need, preachers and teachers of the Word of God. So what does that mean? You need to be in church. You need to be putting yourself under that teaching, under that preaching. We have online available for those who can't come. It shouldn't be available for those who won't come. But we offer it for those who can't. Amen. And we live in a difficult time where many of our elderly folks aren't coming because of COVID. And I understand that. I'm not, not condemning that at all. I definitely understand that. I don't want to put anybody at risk. But we need to be under the teaching of the Word of God. But lastly, we need to walk in it. If the Word of God is true, it has great, great implications. 
great implications. So if God said this is wrong, you know what He meant it? (laughs) And we as Christians don't need to participate in it in any way, shape, or form. And if God said this is right, we need to walk in it and run towards it as quickly as we can and absorb ourselves in it. Amen? God's Word's not true, then none of it matters, but it is true. Absolutely 100% true. Heard Brother Billy Galloway say one time, I believe the Bible from cover to cover, and I even believe the cover because it has Holy Bible written on it. Amen. First of all, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? As our praise team makes their way up this direction right now, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you in Him? Has there ever been a time in your life where you've asked Jesus, invited Jesus into your life, and by faith received Him as your Lord and as your Savior? If you've not, or maybe if you're even confused about it, would you come up here this morning? You come. I'll be glad to counsel you further if need be that you come. But as you all stand this morning, if you're a Christian this morning, you know that you're a Christian. You know that you're a child of God. Are you walking in the truth of the Word of God? Really, truly, genuinely walking in the truth of the Word of God. I don't have to twist your arm to convince you. You already know whether you are or not. And if you're not, I just call upon you to repent this morning. I'll be here. I'll be more than happy to pray with you. Friends, this altar's open. You could come. You could turn that chair where you're at into an altar right there and begin speaking to the Lord. He'll hear you. How do I know He'll hear you? Because the Word of God is true and He told us that He would. Amen. So you come as God so leads.